Grace and peace to you on this Good Friday. Even though we are habituating to Zoom worship in these stay-at-home Minnesota days, contributing to the slowing of the COVID-19 virus, First UCC staff have chosen a solitary experience for Good Friday. Mirroring the loneliness of Jesus on the cross, our invitation to you is to take this guide and practice it with your body in solitude. The cross of Jesus is a nexus of spirit and body, a meeting of bodily suffering and spiritual anguish. So we invite you to an embodied experience of some sort as you listen. You may choose to walk in the Carlton Arboretum, St. Olaf Natural Lands, or Cannon River Walk, or in your neighborhood. You might choose to move from room to room within your living space. You might choose to turn your gaze from one fixed point to another within your home. However you choose to move, this self-guided meditation is meant to accompany bodily activity. Introducing a practice of bodily meditative movement provides a time for reflection, time for prayer, time to pay attention, time to breathe, time to have our souls needed by the hand of God. To get to Easter, we must travel through Good Friday So let us practice some feeling of journey, of action, of alone, of moving with, as we hear Jesus' words from the cross. Meditative walking is not limited to physical walking. You can do it in your living room, in a parking lot, down a country lane, or in the woods. What it requires is not a particular place, but a settling of the soul into the practice. Meditative walking is active, but meant to slow us down. It is not a power walk supplemented with prayer, but an intentional and focused pattern of movement reflection. This self-guided Good Friday meditation is created to be in the presence of God in the midst of our human story of suffering dying, and death. As you move and listen, a pattern of liturgy is offered here. Following each reading and reflection drawing from the writing of Jan Richardson, you are invited to enter into two minutes of silent meditation on the given theme and how it relates to your own faith and life. The two minutes of silence are built into the recording. An arrangement of the hymn, Were You There?, played by our own Theo We, will begin and end this rhythm of listening, reflection, and silent meditation. God be with you on this Good Friday journey.
the first word. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. A poem entitled The Hardest Blessing. If we cannot lay aside the wound, then let us say it will not always bind us. Let us say the damage will not eternally determine our path. Let us say the line of our life will not forever follow the tearing, the rending we have borne. Let us say that forgiveness can take some practice, can take some patience, can take a long and struggling time. Let us say that to offer the hardest blessing, we will need the deepest grace. That to forgive the sharpest pain, we will need the fiercest love. That to release the ancient ache, we will need new strength for every day. Let us say the wound will not be our final home. That through it runs a road, a way we would not have chosen but on which we finally see forgiveness, so long practiced, coming toward us, shining with the joy so well deserved. The second word, one of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. 
But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. A poem entitled, Still. This day, let all stand still in silence, in sorrow. Sun and moon, be still. Earth, be still. Still the waters, still the wind. Let the ground gape in stunned lamentation. Let it weep as it receives what it thinks it will not give up. Let it groan as it gathers the one who was thought forever stilled. Time be still, watch and wait still. The third word. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, 
the disciple took her into his own home. Peter Story, retired bishop of the Methodist Church in South Africa, observes that in giving his mother and his beloved friend John to one another, Jesus created a community that was to become family to the widow, the orphan, the outcast, and the stranger. Bishop Story writes of our call to such a community as a sacred trust, and he asks, if we accept, can anybody suffer hunger, homelessness, or need? Would there be any lonely elders? Could there be a single, unwanted child? If Jesus has made everyone kin to me, would that not make every war in history a civil war and every casualty a death in my family? Peter goes on to write, from the cross where he is nailed, Jesus nails us to each other. We want some other word in that sentence besides nailed. We want Bishop Story to say that Jesus binds us to each other or joins us to each other or some other image less graphic and bloody. What Bishop Story claims here, however, is not that Christ desires or wills our wounding. Rather, Peter recognizes and names what happens when we try to be family to one another. Jesus doesn't call us to seek out pain. Pain is not the goal. It does, however, seem to be an inextricable part of loving. When it comes to love, there's no need to seek out suffering. In the risk of exposing ourselves and opening ourselves to one another, the wounds will open of their own accord. In our loving, in our call, and struggle to be community, we get nailed.
the fourth word. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So what happens when the one we are angry with is God? We are nervous sometimes about letting ourselves be angry at God, particularly when we cannot see how God reacts to our anger, cannot see with our own eyes that God is big enough to handle our anger, cannot see that God feels so deeply for us that God weeps with us and in fact is loath to strike us dead for acknowledging what is within us. On the cross, in this cry with a loud voice, Jesus quotes the 22nd Psalm. One of the reasons to love the psalmists is that they did not hesitate to speak their anger to God. We do not have to journey very far into the Psalms to see how willing the writers were to give God a piece of their minds and hearts. If anger and the other wide range of emotions that make us human found its way into the prayers of the psalmists and Jesus on the cross, then how might it find its way into our own prayers? The fifth word, after this, 
When Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A poem entitled, What Abides. You will know this blessing by how it does not stay still, by the way it refuses to rest in one place. You will recognize it by how it takes first one form, then another. Now running down the face of the mother, who watches the breaking of the child she had born. Now in the stance of the woman who followed him here and will not leave him bereft. Now it twists in anguish on the mouth of the friend whom he loved. Now it bears itself in the wound, the cry, the finishing and final breath. This blessing is not in any one of these alone. It is what binds them together. It is what dwells in the space between them, though it be torn and gaping. It is what abides in the tear the rending makes. The sixth word. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. We call the crucifixion of Jesus the Passion. And so it is, for us as well as for him. 
Each time we stretch out our arms in love to one another, every time we open our hearts, we find the shadow of the cross, but also a glimpse of the open tomb. We are nailed indeed. It is our keenest grief and our deepest joy. Pierce, break, tear, rend, nail. The older I get, the longer and more deeply I love, the more I see how the words I used to avoid are part of the vocabulary of the community to which Jesus calls us. It is part of the language of hearts that seek to live in relationship with one another, with all the risks and losses and joys that come in loving. Jesus' final words from the cross, it is finished, remind us that every relationship will, at some point, contain a goodbye. Yet we who know the rest of the story, we who have glimpsed the other side of Good Friday, know that Jesus' last word from the cross isn't the final word. There are more words to come, crucial words, that Jesus will yet add to our vocabulary, our story, our community. For now, we wait, together, nailed to one another. The seventh word. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last.
a poem entitled Speaking Still. That he can still speak, that in the depths of his pain and his dying, he does not cease to say what he needs to say, that as he lets go, he leaves them with words of comfort and release, of lamentation and love. Forgive, you will be with me. Behold, forsaken, thirst, finished, into your hands. Knowing that these are his last words, but not his final ones. That after this, there will be a span of silence. And that soon the silence will come to an end. For now, we watch, we weep, we bear witness, we wait.